Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Uh, One more time, my name is John Russin. I'm here with my partner in crime, Pastor Frank Friedman. How are you today, sir? Well, John, we're actually cold (laughs) down here. It's going down to 12 degrees, I hear, in the next day or two. Oh, my goodness gracious. So winter does occasionally come to South Louisiana. (laughs) This is true. It does. Well, Frank, we have been talking, as you know, about some of the words that you and I think are kind of pivotal in Scripture. And today we've got a doozy, my friend. We're going to talk about obedience. (laughs) Oh, boy. And so when you mention obedience to people, you get lots of responses, Frank. And as you know, not all of them are good. Yeah, a lot of people instantly think, it's on me, you know, yeah. and I have to perform and God's not going to love me if I don't perform. And, you know, it comes from the church's mistaken view that we're still under the law and the law has demand. But the other side of the equation, John, that I'm finding now is that when people discover grace, they don't talk about obedience anymore. In fact, I have actually had people tell me they don't like the word because it reminds them of their old days of the law and they think obedience is actually a bad word and nothing could be further from the truth so i'm glad we've got this discussion today oh you've got that right my friend you know it's funny as you know and our listeners hopefully are coming to know i prepare a little social media graphic for our podcast And so I've been preparing one for obedience. And so I went to the different websites that I use for images, and I searched for the words obedience and obey. And Frank, do you know what kind of pictures I got? I got pictures of dog training. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Isn't that just exactly what you described? Because we tend to define obedience as this, things like compliance with an order, uh, submitting to a restraint or a command, just like a dog, you know, rewards for good behavior, punishment for bad. Mm. Sad thing is, you know, that's fine if you're a dog. But Frank, that's how some people in the kingdom look at their relationship with their father. I guess that's where I want to start. That sadness, that actually broke my heart when I read that that's how the world looks at obedience. Oh, John, and you know, I think what's tragic is, is, sadly, it's not just the way the world looks at it, it's the way the church looks at it. But we ought to know better because we have the revelation from God that he loves us and that this is all about love, that within the Trinity itself, there was this expression of love. And why did we get created? So he would have someone to obey him? I mean, my goodness, that makes God out to be a a narcissistic, 
egotist who's codependent upon us for his own worth. And it's just horrid. This is all about love. So obedience, you know, it may be defined that way by the world, but I think our father's word might have a different definition. Oh, I think you're right. And it's interesting, Frank, you'd mentioned the word love. And uh, we have, uh, as we've mentioned several times already, an upcoming devotional, volume one. We're going to be releasing a bunch of these. And one of our day's entries is on obedience. And it's a glorious word. It's a beautiful word. So tell us, Frank, why do you think that obedience is actually a very positive, glorious, and beautiful word? Oh, John. Well, you know, we have to remember that the Bible was written in languages, mostly Hebrew and Greek and a few Aramaic words thrown in there. And so just like in our English language, we want to look for the English definitions. We don't want to necessarily go to other languages to help us understand our own language. So use a dictionary. Well, when you do that, there are Greek tools out there, and we can go to the Greek language or the Hebrew language and see how it was actually used in that culture and in that individual language. So we look at the word obedience, and we go to the Greek, Koine Greek, and we find that it's a compound word, hupa kuo. And John Hoopa is a little preposition that means under. And akuo could be a familiar word. Some people might instantly be thinking of acoustics. And so it could mean to hear or to listen. You put those two words together and obedience becomes a very beautiful word. It means to listen under. And I don't know about you, but instantly I think of that passage where Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so when I put that all together, obedience is not this strict conformity to a code. It is not a threatening conformity. It's me, a little sheep who needs the voice of his shepherd to tell me where to go, where not to go, who he is, to look to him, to trust him, and, and to not so much trust myself because I'm just a little sheep, but he is a very strong and good shepherd. And of course, from there, we can launch to other passages in the New Testament because it's even more intimate than that. Our God reveals himself as a father and us his children. And so this is really, John, I, I don't know any other way to say it. Obedience is a beautiful word. Oh, indeed it is. As I'm listening to you, the words that come into my mind are words like this, Frank. It's a willing attentiveness. You know, we want to do this. It's a very careful, diligent listening so that as we hear we choose to align our lives with what our shepherd is teaching us. So Frank, I see it really as a word of relationship, you know, of give and take, of, of mutual love and respect and intimacy. I don't hear a thing based on your definition of the lockstep compliance, the conformity to external behavior 
that we talked about earlier that we saw in those pictures about dog training. Boy, we really get off track when we look at the English version of this word obedience, didn't we? Absolutely, John. I think of that passage in the Gospels. You remember where people were leaving Jesus after some of the words he spoke. And he turned and looked at his disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And I think it was Peter that said, to whom can we go? You have the words of life. And so this is really what obedience is all about. It's we've been restored through Christ to life, to the very life of God. And we who are receivers of his life, and his life is a life of love because he is love, then we respond to love. And it's like you say, John, it's no longer a have to and afraid not to. It's a want to because of love. And you know, I think that's really what Jesus was getting at as he neared the end of his time with the disciples. He said, you know, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And it wasn't so much the emphasis of keep my commandments, but do you understand what this is all about? It's love. I have the very best in mind for you when I give you these guidelines, these commands. And if you recognize my heart for you, then you in turn will have the heart for me. And this will be a great reciprocity of love. That's what it's all about. Indeed. And I look at this, Frank, and I don't see conformity. I see individuality. I see a chance to be the unique creation that God made us to be. My mind runs to John 21. Remember the story when Peter's talking to Jesus. He said, Lord, what about him? And he's pointing the finger over at the apostle John. And Jesus said, hey, if I want John to hang around and remain alive until I come back, what is that to you? You must follow me. So in those two verses, I hear individual expressions of that life through both Peter and John. And so this is not a lockstep cookie cutter faith. This is a chance to express the individual personality and giftedness that our God gave us, that he can do only through us. And obedience makes that possible to become all we can be because that's what he created us to be. So it's a chance to launch ourselves really to make a glorious impact for the kingdom and to launch ourselves into the love of our savior in a way we've never done before. So I see, Frank, a chance to really be individual and make our own unique mark for the kingdom. Wow, that's an interesting thought, John. Most people, and myself included, wouldn't think of that passage to do with obedience and love with Peter. But like you said, we are not cookie cutter uniformity in the body of Christ. He made that very clear when he talked about the body. We're all individual. And we have an opportunity to walk as individuals in a unique calling, a unique expression. I like to use the words, you're the John expression of Jesus. So nobody else can express him, listen under him, follow his voice like you can, because out of your uniqueness and the uniqueness of how he created you and designed you, he has a unique expression of his own life for you and through you. And in order to fulfill that, we have to learn to listen under him. And it, it truly is a wonderful, wonderful word. 
You know, one of the phrases you've used so many times over the years, Frank, is uh, you slap your forehead and say, duh, I could have had a V8. <laughs> you know, and this is exactly it. When we choose to walk in disobedience and next couple episodes, we'll talk about examples of what that looks like and the attitude behind it. But when we choose to walk in disobedience, we miss out on what God has for us. So it's really, you know, we're sacrificing Mm. his gifts and the great plans that he has for us because we will not choose to obey. Yeah. So Mm. we really give up a lot, don't we? Yeah. You know, John, I was thinking as I'm listening to you, verse popped in my head, you know, when we don't listen, which we all can do very easily, we can get into real trouble because we think we know better. Oh, yeah. And there's an old sitcom back in the 60s. Father knows best. You know, he really does know best. And in fact, in the Proverbs, it says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is not good. In fact, it says death. We make plans, but God has the big picture. And so when he speaks, we really need to listen because he always has our best interests at heart. Even though it may not feel like that, it's it's our best interest. That's right. You know, you mentioned a, a few moments ago, Frank, that we have a hard time obeying sometimes. Well, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time obeying a lot because, <laughs> you know, because trust is hard. Mm-hmm. Trusting people's every place we look, you just look in the world. And every place you look, you see untrustworthiness. So, you know, we've learned to trust ourselves and we And only we know what's right for us. And we come to trust each other only. And I want to underline that word only if we've come to know those folks very well. And really, they have to prove themselves to us before we're really going to place all of our trust in them. And our father understands this, Frank. That's why he invites us, you know, in Psalms 34. Hey, come and taste me. I love that verse. Come and taste the Lord. Just take a little taste and see that he's good. So he's willing to let us take him in small doses till we see just how trustworthy he is so we can choose to listen under him. Because unless we know him, Frank, we're not going to willingly listen under him. We may stand in attention, (laughs) but we're not going to sit down and listen under him. You know, like Mary, sitting at his feet and listening. And so he understands that. So he invites us in to have a conversation as they want. Hey, you don't trust me? I get it. Let's talk about this. Just have a little tiny taste, just a little taste, Mm. and you'll see that I'm good. So he works with where we are to draw us out and to lead us to places of deeper trust, which of course results in deeper levels of obedience. Have I got that right? I think so. In fact, you know, John, listening to you, I was thinking to myself, tasting is a precursor to feasting. Oh, yeah, that's good. (laughs) You know, if you taste and it doesn't taste good, there's not going to be any feasting, (laughs) Mm -hmm. a lot unless you're starving, then you'll eat anything. But when you taste and see it's good, you're going to eat a lot more and dive deeper and deeper into how good God is. And, you know, John, I also had a thought. You said, you don't trust somebody you don't know. And that is why 
the revelation of God's word is so important. We can look at the heavens and we know there's a God. We see his strength and his order, his power when in his creation, but those don't reveal to us his love, his care, his provision. We find those in his word when he tells us what he's like, but in terms of his patience and his love, his mercy, his grace, even the Bible, I don't know if it communicates those things strongly enough. And that's why Jesus is the supreme revelation of the Father, because Hebrews tells us he's the express image of the Father. So when it comes to trusting God, you just say, well, that's hard because I don't see him. No, but we see Jesus. We see him on the cross. We see him laying down his life for us. And in that cross, we see mercy and grace and love and goodness and kindness and strength and confidence and everything reigning sovereignty because nobody took his life. He laid it down. And so through Christ, we can learn to trust. And when we trust, we listen under. When we listen under, he proves what we've tasted, and then we can trust him even more. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of like that first opening the door a crack and just peering out to see. And God is so patient and so understanding that he works with us wherever we are in our relationship with him. And he constantly works to draw us out to open that door further because he created us frank to have the door fully wide open fully engaged fully trusting him fully walking hand in hand with his spirit and frank what we're describing here is really an intimate relationship between two devoted lovers and i'm going to read something from our devotional and these are words that you penned the intimate relationship between two devoted lovers god and us And we say it another way, too, that sort of captures it a little more clearly. Jesus, our bridegroom, and us, his beloved bride. Now, when I got married, I was standing up there at the altar. Where were my eyes? Not on my shoes, not on the candles, not on anybody else. My eyes were locked on my bride. Where were my bride's eyes? They were locked on me. This is the picture that obedience described in my mind as we walk in union with the greatest lover in the universe. Mm. We listen to his voice of love. And so we want to respond in kind. We want to love him in return. And the way we do that is by listening under him. You know, what a beautiful picture, Frank. Boy, does the world miss it. Oh, my goodness, John. And yes, we the world does. And sadly, the church, too. You just described it. Maybe I can run with it just one more step or two. We have a lover. For love to exist fully, the lover has a spirit of love that he gives to the beloved. But the beloved must receive the love experience the love, and then release the love back to the original lover. That explains Jesus' words, if you love me, you keep my commandments. It's all love. You've received how much I love you. 
the only natural response is to love in return. Anything other than that would be less than love itself. So again, obedience, what a beautiful word. And that verse, a beautiful expression of love. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Amen. And Frank, this isn't just a loving relationship only. It goes beyond that because it changes us. It changes how we see things, how we live. Because when we listen under him, we step into the role that he created us to have, children who depend on their father for everything. We learn step-by-step step, to delight in doing his will, Psalm 40, because we've learned by tasting that his will is good and pleasing. It's perfect. And then we see, this is the coolest part in my mind, Frank, we see a miracle occurring in our very own lives because we see us being transformed into people who love others the way he loves us. That's the biggest payoff right there. So wrap us up. Speaking of transformation, you just brought a memory back. I read a book, oh my goodness, 41 years ago, 42 years ago, called Song for Lovers, which was a commentary on the book of Song of Solomon, which of course is the greatest book on marital love in the Bible. And this guy that wrote it said, wrote about a, going back to school as a high schooler after summer break. And all the guys were hanging out outside the main entrance to the school, first day of school. He said, we were all members of the Girl Watchers Brigade <laughs> and checking out the new arrivals, you know. And he said, this one girl walked up and she was drop dead gorgeous. And all of them were going goo goo and talking about who she was and, and where she came from. And then one of them said, oh, guys, that's not a new girl. That's so-and-so. She's been at this school for years. And they were all aghast. They were going, that's not her. No, it's her. Why she looks so different? What happened? Well, over the summer, she found a boyfriend. And the guy, author of the book said, being loved had transformed this girl into a beloved one who manifested on the outside, the love she had received on the inside in complete transformation. That's the power of love. Oh, wow. And, uh, I thought it was a great illustration. What a great story. So <laughs> listeners, dear friends, if you've got any other definition for obedience besides the one Frank and I have been talking about, I suggest you pitch it because this, one, <laughs> this one's a winner. So thanks for listening today to the podcast. We trust that Father has reached out and touched your very heart with what it means to, to walk with him and listen under his voice. We invite you, as always, to check out our website, OurResoluteHope.com. And as we wind up, we remind you one more time, today and always, to choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.